And we welcome you into a Tuesday edition of Morning Drive, off and running live here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Good to have you in. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise with you for the next four hours. Big show today. We're going to really uh, be all over the place today. Some Titans conversations, some Vols college football conversation. We've got a little Preds to get to, maybe a little Major League Baseball. So some good stuff today for the next four hours. Uh, Floyd Reese will join us in his typical spot, as well as our buddy Chris Mason makes his return to Morning Drive coming up in the final hour of the show today. Boys, happy Tuesday, as the kiddies would say. What to do? So it's October. You like that, Mace? I knew you did. I saw your face. Sorry. Yeah, he, D can't even say anything. No. Uh, I'll <laughs> He's like, damn, Nick's white. I, I'll, uh, here, I'll... I'll uh... I'll, th- I'll just say he- hello, good morning, uh, and welcome to the hottest October in the history of your life in uh, in Nashville. Yesterday, 96 degrees set a record for September 30th, hottest it's ever been this late in the year. Don't worry, folks. We're going to break that record today. 98? Going to be 97. Could be 98. Probably break it again tomorrow. No big deal. No, it's no big deal. No, it's not a big deal. Nothing, nothing to get upset about or worried about. Just 97 degrees in October. It, I, you cool. know, it's, it's funny is cool. I had I had this thought yesterday. I go out around three thirty, mm-hmm. grab my trash cans, take them up to the front of the driveway because the garbage men come around five o'clock on a Tuesday morning, and I'm looking at all these leaves in my yard, and I'm like, all right, grass is dying, leaves are falling, you know, it's starting to look like fall, the fall foliage, and it feels like Tucson, Arizona outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's outrageous, dude. I've, I've already raked my my yard twice. With <laughs> with leaves, uh, and generally this is when the grass is supposed to get healthier in Tennessee. That's the difference between the north and the south, there, Nick. The grass the grass gets all beaten up in, in July and August, and then you do your overseeding right there. You do your overseeding in October. Yeah, but you can't overseed in ninety six degree temperatures. All the little seeds are just going to die. Exactly. 97 degrees on October 1? Personally, I was a fan of 98 degrees, but that was in the late 90s and the boy bands were taking over and frosted tips were a thing. Is that Nick Lachey? It was. Then he married Jessica Simpson and his life went to hell. So what's the the lesson there? Uh, Don't marry Jessica Simpson. Don't marry celebrity women. (laughs) Don't marry? Well, he married another one, I think. Did he? Yeah, celebrity or just another woman? You got a a Nick Lachey update? Yeah. I got you guys a Nick Lachey update. Give me one second. Senior he, Nick Lachey correspondent, Marquise Munson. Boy, boy band analyst, Marquise Munson. Live for you. Um, I don't know. I thought his life was pretty cool. They had a show that ran for a couple of years. He's one of those guys that if, know. He, if he did it right, like, he had like the, you, if he did it right and kept his and, did, and was smart with his money, he, he made all he needed to in like an eight-year, ten-year period of time, right? Yeah. It's like being she an NFL fa- player, right? He had the famous line, I didn't know it was chicken in the seed. Wasn't that the line? Um, so no, about chicken in the Are sea. buffalo wings from Buffalo? Oh, no, she that, didn't say that. that. She, really said something about, yeah. she said something about really chicken of the sea. So you used to watch was... the newlywed show <laughs> with <laughs> Jessica Simpson and yeah. Nicholas. I did too. You both watched the yeah, same episode watched, of the newlywed show back in like what, was, 2002 but that was, or something? Um, yep. That was a big episode because people were like, how dumb can she be? And people were trying to figure out whether it was just a part of, you know, this shtick she was doing to make it funny or did she really believe that what, what was the what, what was the movie she was in was it, was it an adam sandler movie mm-hmm. where she's in like jean shorts and like that a was a flannel. remake of dukes of hazard yeah, wasn't it dukes of hazard. that was cool. with johnny knoxville yep yeah, great dukes movie hazard. phenomenal movie 
It was Vanessa Manila. She used to host TRL. Yeah. That's who oh. he's, he's married to. Thanks now. for that update. Um, yeah. Brought to, yeah. But you know, she was on uh, Dukes of Hazards. And everybody, come on, everybody. We know why we like the movie. Goodness gracious. These boots are made for walking. <laughs> and that's just what they I, I didn't say she gave a good performance. Oh, yeah. she does. <laughs> she I does in my world. I watched, I watched it because of Boss Hog, okay? <laughs> Not Taylor Lewan. Not Taylor Lewan. Boss Hog and exactly. Little Dog. I, still, I, I see a lot of chicken and sea, chicken of the sea. Yeah, she thought. But I can't figure out exactly what the quote is. Oh, it's tuna. Said. Yeah, tuna of the sea. She said something about. No, she, she said, said, isn't she said tuna chicken? chicken? Of of the sea. No, she said, because you know the slogan is something, chicken of the sea. Yeah, that's and the she, brand of yeah. tuna. And she said, I didn't know chicken was in. She said something that everybody, the whole collective world I, I'm, just I'm, stopped. I'm, I'm, re- I'm researching. Like, I'm are research. you serious? Did mm-hmm. you just really seriously say that on national television? And people were trying to figure out, was it, was it done on purpose? It, so it, it, this, is, uh, this is obviously, uh, according to Fuse here, um, uh-huh. a reliable source. Fuse. Um, it's a good drink. Yeah. She confused uh, chicken for tuna in the debut of the MTV show The Newlyweds, uh-huh. Naked Jessica. Well, it turns out that it was definitely not an act. One yeah. Of the, one of the producers of the show for all three seasons reflected on the moment. In an interview, there was times when we were like, hmm, does she really know what this means? <laughs> this is from the producer. I truly believe the whole chicken and fish situation was accurate. She really did not know. Shout out to Fuse <laughs> yeah. for the where are they now five years. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I remember there was a scene where there was a dead mouse by their pool and it had been dead for a while. Nick said, it's rigor, it's rigor mortis. And Jessica said, rigor what? <laughs> rigor what? I truly, I truly believe she didn't know what that meant. Uh, she was, she, she came <laughs> off as, and I know she's not Ugh. this way cause she, she's built a billion dollar company and she's is that the skin, a, the skincare stuff or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but from a business standpoint, D-Mace probably uses genius, some of that skin cream, but she came off as dumb as a bag of rocks, man. Oh yeah. That's the way she came off. Oh yeah. And it wasn't was that part good, of the plan. You think it wasn't good for people like, you know, you know how they say the perception is, and it could be wrong or right. People say, right. well, redhead. And, and people label everybody by the color of their hair. Oh, yeah. And she made dumb it. Blonde re- yeah, she fit the she stereotype. Made, exactly. Yeah, no she doubt. made it real like, yeah, here we go. Yep. And it's, people were trying to figure out, was it really just a skit? Was she planned it up, or was she really that dumb? She goes, is this? So they're sitting on the couch eating dinner, and it looks like she's eating something out of a bowl, and Nick Lachey's eating something, and, he, and she goes, is this chicken what I have, or is this fish? I mean, I know it's tuna, but it says chicken by the sea? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> Let me ask, is Justin Timberlake the only There's audio one, of this. We can pull this. Is, is Justin Timberlake the only sane one out of this whole generation of Jessica Simpsons, Britney Spears's? And no, he probably, had, a, his, a, he Christina, probably had his Christ, thing. Christina Aguilera's. Oh, yeah, a little crazy, but she's she's extremely talented and had staying power and I mean been they very all successful. were talented, but they all just had their little moments in time. But Ju- Justin's the one whose life never seemed to spiral out of control and hit a lull. Like he would just keep accelerating. He would leave the boy band behind. He can golf. He can play basketball. He becomes a Super Bowl act. See, and I think it's hard to deal. He's and, a modern and, day Frank Sinatra. And, and Derek, you can speak to this, but you did it without social media, so it's mm-hmm. a little different. Like. I think it's hard, like like Britney Spears. I don't really blame Britney Spears. She's like, been through a lot. Like Britney Spears, the level of like mania that was around her at such a young age. Like I just think if you put kids 
into those situations, you're probably going to get some sort of bizarre behavior because it's just a it's just an impossibly difficult lifestyle to handle at like 18 or 19 or 20 years old. Um, JT, you don't have a life. JT kind of figured. Yeah, you got like 16 handlers that are taking you. I mean, when you get to Britney Spears level of, of like to me, that's too much fame. I would never want to be at that level of fame. I'd want to be like, I don't know what level would be the right level of fame. I'd want to be where, like, I could walk around Nashville, people would leave me alone. But then if I wanted to go, you know, like, make myself look like an obvious, does that make sense? Like, I'd want to, like, if I wanted to be noticed, I could do that. And if I I wanted to be unnoticed, I could do that. I'd want to be just famous enough that I can make money off of it, (laughs) but but not famous enough to be bothered too much in my day-to-day life. Does that make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I would not ever want to be... Britney Spears level of fame. It just takes away your life, I feel like. Am I am I No. No, you're not sense? at all. I saw a video of Aaron Carter. You guys remember him? Yeah. He, he got a face Backstreet, tattoo now. Backstreet Boys? Yeah. No, he, his brother was in Backstreet Boys. They okay. had the show. Yeah. They, yeah, the Carter, something yeah. the Carter. And then he, you, he, you two he's got really a face know tattoo. Your, you two really know your late nineties, early two thousands. I used to watch those MTV. shows every once in a while, man. Because they would it were train wrecks, man. We're going to get the email from management later today. Derek has took, taken a job with the E Channel. We wish him the best in his future endeavors. D Mason, Mario Lopez. Ching, ching. Aaron, Car- <laughs> Aaron Carter's first line of his Wikipedia page. This is just like fun Googling here this morning in the first segment. Uh, Aaron Carter is an American rapper, singer, songwriter, <laughs> actor, dancer, and record producer. I'm appalled. It's first line of his, of his Wikipedia page. I'm so appalled. it must be true. It's on the I know him too. You do? Paul. <laughs> yeah, he comes up at 3 o'clock on the SEC Network. His name's Paul. Oh, not, to get, not to be mistaken with Sean Paul. Exactly. You know what? I am Sean Spicer. Um, this morning. Uh, Sean Spicer. Oh, Dancer. wow. Have you guys seen him on Dance with the Day? Oh, man. He's an idiot. Um, <laughs> Spicer? Yeah. I didn't even. Spicer? Tyser? Tyson? Uh, I'm tired. Those guys on those guys on Dance with the Stars. I'm, I'm freaking tired man who of what me i'm just tired like, like physically tired, tired like physically tired well, go back to sleep why didn't you sleep I last want night to. no i did sleep last night it was so bad last night because uh, my son he was doing his homework and i was sitting on the couch and <laughs> i'm gonna tell you i had all this stuff set up i had my book set up because i wanted to read i had my glasses right there i had a computer over here and, Sound like a really exciting and, night. And I'm sitting on the couch. Well, that's what happens when the Bengals and Steelers run. <laughs> Hold on, I'm sitting on the couch. I didn't watch any of it. In the television, no, I didn't watch any of it. I didn't even turn it on. And the television is on, but I got it on pause. And you know, when you leave it on pause for a long time, the slideshow or the yeah, television comes Yeah, Xfinity. And I I'm lo- just I love sitting it. there, and I'm just watching books right there. I'm sitting, and my son comes up to me. He said, Dad. You just need to go to sleep. <laughs> Shut it down. It was eight something. <laughs> it was around eight thirty, eight forty. He was oh, like, that's Dad, early. just you just need to go to sleep." So, so and no- I'm just sitting there in the day. Is like, yeah. <laughs> and, and normally, it's it, normally that that person in my in my household is my wife. She'll be sitting on the couch and we'll be watching something, and I'll look over about halfway through, and I'll go, mm. "Hey, do we need to turn this off? <laughs> hey, hey, you over there?" You still, you still with us? Are you going? You, you out? So last night we we got to the last episode of Narcos, but we got to it at like nine thirty, and it's such a good hook that we had to start the last episode of the most recent season. So we started Narcos, and I'm like, oh crap, I'm in this for the long haul. Like I knew I was going to be awake until like ten thirty, watching the end of it because it's the very end of the la- this la- latest season. And she looks over at me about two thirds mm-hmm. of the way through. It's about ten fifteen. She looks over. and She goes, "Do we need to stop this?" And I was like, 
No, I'm good. <laughs> I opened my eyes a little wider, and I made it through the end of the series. Great uh, season finale for Narcos. I know it's like eight months late, but whatever. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Speaking of season finales, the Bengals had their season finale last night as they got beat 27-3 to by the Steelers. Uh, Andy Dalton now winless this year. And uh, Mason Rudolph leads the Steelers to victory number one. And I am proud to say I did not once put that game on. I did not even attempt to turn it on whatever channel it was. I didn't it's been even the go same close. channel for a while. I didn't even go on close Monday to it. That, that tells you. I didn't even go close to it. It was like my my remote was allergic to the channel. I uh, has, did not has there, want to go near that. Has there been a Bengals? Because they have played some seriously important football games in the last 15 years, 10 years, let's say, uh, Bengals and Steelers. Has there been a more meaningless Bengals-Steelers game in, in the last 10 years? Like I can't think of one. 0-3 versus 0-3. Now the Bengals are 0-4, no Big Ben, no Le'Veon Bell, no Antonio Brown. Like I there's I can't remember a Bengals no no AJ Green. Like I can't mm-hmm. remember a Bengals Steelers game that had less intrigue and less like these used to be like the battle for the division for mm-hmm. years. Zero or, star power. Or 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 a playoff game. Like yeah. the, one of the most dramatic playoff games we've had in the last ten years was was Steelers Bengals with the Vontez Burfick thing. So I, I don't it just for there to be zero sex appeal at all to that game is just, I don't know. I mean, I would say fire Marvin Lewis, but they finally did, and so they still the, stink. Who's the next guy? Who's the guy now? Fire him, too. Zach Taylor. Yeah, fire Zach Taylor, too. Fire the whole Bing. Fire the Bengals, period. Yeah, get him out of there. Yeah. All right. We will Bengals. come back. Uh, Floyd Reese is going to join us at the bottom of the hour, but you guys mentioned Boss Hogg, obviously from the Dukes of Hazard when we were talking about Johnny Knoxville and Jessica Simpson. Well, the boss hog here in Nashville is back at the facility. The suspension is over. How will Taylor Lewan impact the Tennessee Titans moving forward? We delve into that next here on Morning Drive. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. We are live this morning from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise Munson with you. The first and 15. Say what? First and 15. It is? Will we have a false start? No, I said first and 15. <laughs> you ain't heard that song? It was one said by the man who couldn't. If you haven't heard that Please song, can Nick, I have another? You, no, you, you have not heard that song? No. Boy, I don't give him. Dude, I, he definitely loses his honorary brother <laughs> yeah. card now. That's two weeks in a row. That's fine. I'll Damn. get it back eventually. First Even and, I know that one. The first and 15th. Oh, the big, first and 15th. Yeah, big lot of money, nothing less than a twenty. Yeah, I wish I had yeah, a 20 won. in my pocket. I don't have cash. <laughs> Wife doesn't give it to me. Oh, man. I don't have cash either. No? I don't give it to myself. I, I feel I very, I I feel very disrespected, Nick. Come on, man. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel That's disrespected. Bad. To be a radio man, boy, you must qualify. <laughs> don't get high off your own supply. A radio. <laughs> there you go. I'm glad you cleaned that up. <laughs> you brought it right back in. I like exactly. it. Well, no, it's a metaphor, Derek. Yeah, it can metaphor, apply to anything. Exactly. exactly. We're going to get high on Floyd Reese. He's coming up at 6.30 this morning. Uh, But Taylor Lewan back at the facility. So let's kind of look at this because we've discussed many times on the show what the impact will be. You know, he's not going to be the cure-all, the fixer of everything. But there's got to be a ripple-down, like a trickle-down effect from left to right. i got to think that he makes Saffold's job a little bit easier, which makes Ben Jones' job a little bit easier. And if they can play the way they did two days ago, with Taylor Lewan back and then some, maybe we have a respectable five. Yeah, and and 
you know, like you said, Nate Davis, you package all this together. Could it could it develop over the course of the year? Certainly, it's possible. I, it, it can't be. It can't not be better. I mean, Taylor Lewan's arguably the best tackle in the league. Arguably the best player on the team. Blah 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 blah. blah. I, I am far more fascinated with how fans have reacted to this. The way the fans, because he's got the podcast, because he's the larger-than-life personality, because he's sort of the face of the franchise outwardly to the public, especially the younger demographic loves Taylor Lewan and, and sort of what he brings to the table off the field, I, I, I just am curious. I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I think every Titans fan has a right to sort of react how they want. But it almost feels like Titans fans are completely apologetic for Taylor Lewan's getting popped for four games. It's almost like fans don't care. And and that maybe I'm maybe I don't know how you guys have experienced this suspension and the return, but it's mostly just been fans just saying, "Oh, thank God, welcome back, we love you." And there's not I don't see a lot of like, man, if we miss the playoffs by one game and our offensive line cost us two games when you were suspended, there there doesn't seem to be any fans holding him accountable for his decision is that because they won sunday they're two and two and they survived the first month of the season like if they were one and three right now and marcus Mm -hmm. was maybe out with an injury because he was taking 17 sacks the first three weeks will we view it differently um i think so um but it was luckily luckily they were able to pick up a victory in atlanta um and that kind of um stopped a lot of the the rumblings or or simmer down the, the the potential talks of a one and three star because your left tackle did wasn't or wasn't responsible enough, um, you know, to know what was going what he put in his body, um, and and that's what it is. I mean, you got to be responsible whether you say you knew or you didn't know. You just you're responsible for what you put in your body, and when you, you know, when when you get popped for something like that, that that shows that you were not fully aware of what was going on um or what you were putting in your body so that is sort of that is irresponsible um so but yeah I, but I think the win Saturday um you know kind of tapered some of the talks because I believe had they dropped down to 1 and 3 uh on the start I think there would have been a lot of um you know talks not just nationally but more importantly locally have have you guys seen oh i mean again if i'm missing it i'm i'm i I will be i'll put my hand up and say hey my bad i didn't see it i just have not seen any real critiques of him at all from fans no what wild mark you know what you get from fans you get the the free lawan shirts that everybody thinks that he was done wrong and they're cracking natty light beers on twitter and going nuts saying this is for the boys like he's so beloved aloha beach seltzer yeah like he's so he's so beloved by so many of the fans from the he's just one of the dudes that they almost didn't care well so i guess again is that just a a select minority small group of people that happens to be very active on social media am i again once once again taking real life and like narrowing it into twitter and that's my fault and i and i need to not do that because I cannot, I can't well, even. I don't even remember talking to any Titans fans who have said, "Man, I'm I'm super upset that Taylor Lewan wasn't out there for the first four games." Thank God he's back. Everybody agrees. Thank God he's back because it's going to make the offensive line better. But I just can't remember seeing much critique or criticism at all during these four games of the, Taylor from fans. And again, Twitter's not real life, and maybe that's my fault. It's the it, it's the position. Um, you know, people. I think fans. You think fans know the game and we have you know we have a a select few that that you know really watch the game intently 
and they know truly what's going on. And then, but we have the majority of the people they watch it, they're fans, and they just want you to score points and stop people from scoring. They're not looking at you know what's really going on, and especially not in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Um, so when your left tackle, you know, gets suspended, um, it's a big story when it happens. But majority of the people. He's not a receiver. He's not a quarterback. He's not a running back. He's not a defensive end. So eventually it fades into the win. And people are, it's not a big story because you're not the marquee player. You're not the one that's in the spotlight all the time. You don't have the ball in your hand or you're not sacking a guy with the ball. So it's like. Well, it's the fantasification exactly, of football. Absolutely. We're so trained you, to look at other things. So if you don't mean anything to my fantasy football team or whatnot, then I don't care. You back? Oh, good. Great. You're back. It makes our team better, but we're not looking at you every week like, man, you're not here, man, you're not. Because it means nothing to you. Like you said, Nick, from a fantasy standpoint, it means nothing to you. So you're not paying attention. You don't. I mean, for the average person, they probably don't know. Who Taylor, oh, Taylor Lewan? It's, huh? Was he missing? Mm-hmm. What, 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 what's going, because he means in the big scheme, he means nothing to you based upon how you look at football. And a lot of people look at it from a fantasy standpoint. You're not getting me any points. So. You know, yeah, you're suspended, but I'm not going to make a big deal of it. Well, we also, too, if you think about it, did we mention Taylor Lewan after the Falcons game or the Browns game? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But nope. we mentioned him after the Jaguars game and the Colts game, right? And, yeah. and again, your quarterback was sacked more in the first three games than any quarterback since 2002 in the NFL. So arguably the worst at protecting the quarterback in 20 years in the NFL. Taylor Lewan is responsible for that. Yeah. He is responsible for that, period. And if it, co- I don't think it costs you the Jags game, necessarily. Because, let's be honest, it's not like Dennis Kelly was getting blown up every single play on that side of the line. It was the right side of the line that had the problems. But that being said, like the Colts game, you could point to, as if, if Taylor Lawan is in the Colts game, maybe they win that game. That was close enough a game where the offensive line, Marcus took too many, like a couple of bad sacks. Some of them are on him. But you could say, Taylor Lewan, if you were out there against the Colts, they might have won the game. Remember, Indy didn't That's, have their best defensive player. And, and it's total speculation. I'm, like, I get it. I know we're playing the speculation game here. But if I'm a fan of this team, I do not understand giving him a free pass. I, I'm not suggesting you should like not be a fan of his, not welcome him back with open arms, not be rooting for him to do well. They're, they're just like There has to be an honest moment where you say, man, if we, if we go 9-7 and seven again and we miss the playoffs by a game and you could – you know, the offensive line was the problem in the Colts and the Jacksonville game, especially the Jacksonville game, that you don't look at Taylor Lewan and say, man, like, dude, you made a decision that put us in a in a tougher spot, and it doesn't seem like, again, maybe I'm just looking at Twitter and that's too sort of narrowly focused here. It just does not feel like any fans are are, are holding him accountable at all for his decision to get suspended, do something that got himself suspended, and maybe cost his team a game like if this team could have been 10 and 6 with Taylor Lewan is that that if they finish 9 and 7 is it crazy mm-hmm. to say they could have been 10 and 6 with Taylor yeah, Lewan I mean no it's not no, crazy. not, not at all not okay. at all all right well real, real, real quickly with Taylor Lewan does he automatically go back to left tackle start and play yeah. every oh, single yeah. snap uh, 100% yeah. it's going to take him a minute to get back going um, cuz Melvin Gordon was reactivated on and I know it's a different position yeah. but even though Gordon was activated on Sunday he didn't get one carry for the Chargers nah running back is totally different from left tackle they they will insert uh, Taylor back into the line. Do we think he's in game and shape, though? No. I, oh, you don't think so? No, he's not well, in game shape. Not, not no. from lack of trying, but from the natural 
Yeah, he's need not to a game, get in game shape, right? Game shape. Um, but you're, you're not suggesting he took. No, four I'm not weeks saying he took four drank weeks. All week, yeah, right? no, 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 no. But you're, you're just the only way you get in game shape is that you play games, right. um, and that you're out there with the pads on and and and, and, and you know doing the uh, simulating the 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 movement uh, of your position. Um, so when I say he's not in game shape, it's the truth. He's not in game shape. Uh, and it be probably it's going to take him a game or two to get back going. Um, so, but I think what people are going to st- really start watching is, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how long, you know, whatever he's been taking. I don't know how long he's been using these supplements, um, you know, and did it help him in any way? I don't know, but people are going to start to look if his play declined. If he gets hurt, people are going to point at that. People are going to say he got popped for using some enhancement. He's not on it no more. Is he the same player? Whether it's right or wrong. Yeah, whether it's right or wrong. Right. right. Um, that's what you're going to hear. I think you're right. And, I mean, it's it's fair. So you better show it, up. And, yeah, You better fair. show up and show out, right? Exactly. So you better and, – and I'm not suggesting he won't, you know, show up and, 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 and play, but – People are going to be looking at that, so yeah. it's going to take them a game or two really to get back and get back in game shape and going. So, don't expect them to come in here and just start, you know, doing it, it table just, of It just stuff. reminds me a little bit of the Preds losing to the Stars. The fans sort of just okay and moved on. And with this, the fans have well, because we had the NFL draft, and that's true. The fans, and I think maybe it's because they're two and two, like you guys said, and the yep. fans have just sort of said, "All right, let's move on." And mm-hmm. I think that's a little odd. But. Coming up next, our buddy Floyd Reese will stop by the show, as he does each and every Tuesday at 6.30. Former Titans GM, co-host of Jared and the GM. He joins us after this on Morning Drive. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Good to have you in here on a Tuesday edition of the show. Nick Braden, D-Mace Marquise, as we welcome in our resident general manager, Floyd Reese. Floyd, happy Tuesday. How are you, sir? And to you. You guys doing good? We're doing well. So, I just threw out this question to D-Mace uh, last segment. You know, Melvin Gordon ended his holdout. He came back to the Chargers. He was activated this week, although he didn't take a snap and didn't play in the game. Obviously, you got to get back into game shape. I'm curious to know from you, how does that apply to Taylor Lewan? Should we just expect him, because he's a left tackle, just to regain form right away? Or is there going to be a few weeks? Is he basically going to need a preseason to get into shape? You know, I don't think it'll take him that long. In my experience, guys that have been in the league a little bit, if they do anything to take care of their bodies, they have a a base conditioning level that is better than you could ever imagine. Um, Given that, I mean, he hasn't played in, what is it, a month or five weeks or whatever it is. And and I'm sure it's going to take him from a timing standpoint and all that. It's going to take him a little bit of time. And it'll be interesting to see how they use him because it's, you know, to put throw him in there and think he's going to go an entire game, I think I'd be a little bit surprised at that. Uh, Floyd, I, I don't know, A, what did you see from Nate Davis from a production standpoint, but B, what do you make of the decision by Vrabel to sort of, because clearly Nate Davis after the game said that the idea was to alternate and kind of rotate in and out. He played 62% of the snaps with Jamil Douglas. He's clearly probably an upgrade. What do you make of the strategy to sort of rotate those guys? And did you see enough from Nate Davis to be optimistic about him the rest of the way? You know, to be honest, I didn't really notice him or not notice him. You know, it wasn't, which for an offensive lineman is probably a good thing. You know, because the only time you ever notice them is when they get a holding penalty or they do something dumb. 
Um, but I'll say this now, whether he was a factor or not, I thought the pass protection, uh, the pocket, pre- uh, you know, that they created for the quarterback and, and how the quarterback used it was as good as we've seen in a long time. So if he was part of that, then, then I'm all for it. I think, uh, Mike came out yesterday and said something along the lines of, you know, he, he was aggressive. He went out and hit guys, maybe not always the right guy, but he hit guys, uh, you know, which is maybe kind of a little bit of a lesson. I mean, really, this is a guy's, you know, preseason. And, and unfortunately for him, he didn't get to go through much of camp, didn't get to go through the preseason, and now we're into the regular season where things are really, really serious. So he is, uh, he's got a learning curve. There's no doubt about it. The old saying is, whatever you do, do it full speed. If you mess up, do it full speed. Eventually, you hit somebody. <laughs> you might not be the right person, but you hit somebody. I guess that's what <laughs> Nate Davis was doing um, this past weekend. Um, do you like the way that um, Arthur Smith chose to attack um, the Atlanta defense? Because, um, you know, he, he he tried to run the ball early. Uh, it wasn't working, but he stuck with it. And then off of that, he used a lot of play action, which in turn, you know, helped Marcus because they were playing a lot of off-man coverage, helped Marcus uh, see the field a little bit better and helped them receivers get open. Um, and the timing was great um, this past game. So moving forward, it, do you think that's the formula um, if they want to win games? Now, it's going to be tougher this week with Buffalo, but you think that's the formula moving forward for them to win games? You know, I I would hope. I mean, we kind of got some of the things that we've been looking for. You know, he he got as good a protection, and I'm I'm speaking primarily of the first half. But in the first half, his protection was really good, uh, and and Marcus was able to do some things that we've been wanting him to do a long time. You know, his back foot hits, nothing's maybe there, so shuffle up into the pocket, get the ball off in some kind of timing fashion, get it to a receiver where he can get it and run with it and do things like that. So I I thought from a protection standpoint, from Marcus using the pocket correctly, uh, I thought they, you know, it was as good as they've been in a long time. I'm in, in my world, I was looking at that, that first half and I'm thinking to myself, you know what, this looks like a real offense. I mean, this looks like an NFL team throwing the ball, catching the ball, running with the ball. Uh, I, I was, uh, I was really pleased with the first half. Floyd Reese is joining us here on Morning Drive, and you talk about the offense. Well, this week the defensive challenge from Buffalo will be legit because they just made Tom Brady look very, very ordinary. When you look at this Buffalo team, what is it about them that makes them such a compelling team from the standpoint of they they win games that they shouldn't, they play ugly, and I, I know they're defensively built with Sean McDermott, but I'm looking at some of their offensive guys, Floyd, John Brown, Zay Jones, Cole Beasley, uh, Frank Gore is 100 years old. Can this team can actually come in here and score and do enough to beat the Titans? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think considering what they did the last couple of years, um, you know, especially like last year, I expect a game along those lines. They really are not built a lot differently than we are. You know, their their quarterback is is still a question mark, whoever it might be. The running game with Frank Gore, I agree with you. I mean, he, you know, what he's doing at his age is remarkable, and they are playing really, really good defense. 
They, um, you know, their secondary is is playing very, very well. Uh, the two safeties are, you know, kind of cogs back there. Um, you know, they're getting a pass rush. I mean, they are, like I said, very similar to what we are. And, and I would imagine this game will kind of go along those fashion. If you know, how does that affect? Like, you know, both defenses are great. Both defenses are playing extremely well. Like, if you're the coach, uh, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, like, I know we just talked about Arthur Smith. What, what, how do you approach games differently when you know stylistically it's going to be very different than maybe a game you played the week before? Yeah, I think it's it's key, and I thought we did a good job of this last week, but key that you have, and, and Vrabel uses the term complementary football. You have to go into the game understanding how you're going to win and understanding that it may not be pretty, you know, for your group, but if you do these things, we're going to have a chance to win. Uh, and and I think you have to approach the game from that standpoint because if you go out there, uh, you know, against this defense and say, okay, we're going to throw 50 passes and we're going to be in good shape. I mean, you know, you're going to only end up having problems hurting your defense and, and the next thing you know, you know, the score is 17 and nothing. So uh, I think it's going to be really, really important that we do much of what we did last last week, which was – you know, I thought we were really smart in the things that we did. I thought that it helped each other. You know, the first half, the offense kind of took up, took it away and did a good job and got some points. And in the second half, the offense kind of calmed down. You know, let's let's not get carried away here and let's see how the defense does. And the defense played very, very well. And, you know, you end up coming out of it with a nice W. Floyd, good stuff as always. We'll be listening later today at 2 o'clock. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You got it. Floyd Reese, former Titans GM, of course, co-host of Jared and the GM weekdays from 2 to 6. All right, so Titans-Bills could very well be an ugly game. Could be a 13-12 duplicate of last year. But what style of play will be effective? You'll hear from the head coach, Mike Vrabel, when we come back here on ESPN 102.5 A Game. You know, I think that it's sometimes, uh, you know, you want to be as conscious as you can of the the situation we want to still stay aggressive and you know give them credit they, they made some good plays and we got off to a great start you know and then it just um, we weren't able to complete the first drive after after the half you know we got an amazing performance and an all pro performance from from Brett our defense played very well so um, just through the flow of the game I think that you kind of understand if we can take care of the football and and continue to, to force them to throw the football we can pressure the quarterback and and hopefully we can get some turnovers in those opportunities that was Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel yesterday welcome back into morning drive VSPN 1025 the game Nick Braden D-Mace and Marquis so what style of play will be effective against this Bills team first of all from a Titans perspective because that's what we care about but I was also thinking about this yesterday you go back to the game on Sunday, and New England had a very difficult time. And we know New England can play any style of ball they want, and yet they mustered all of 16 points. Yeah, and Derek, you, you sort of hit on this yesterday as one of your, your big takeaways from the second half is that the offense changed. And that was that, that question Mike Vrabel was asked was about tempo in the second half. And he, and he clearly alludes to sort of situation football, right? Situational football and how they approached that second half was clearly different than the way they approached the first half. Um, it, it worked out well. It worked out fine. Um, 
What do you when when you see how different they approach the first and second half? Do like do you expect them to come out like they did in the second half and play that style of game against a team they know they're not going to be able to just drop back and throw play action passes against? I mean, do do you almost expect the second half game plan from the beginning? Well, they can't be. I don't think you can go in and be scared to run your offense. Um, you can't go in and say, well, we can't do this, we can't do this, we can't do this. Um, and then you limit, you know, you, you you go in limiting your offense. You go in making your team one-dimensional. You make your team, oh, we got to do it all on defense. I think you have to be calculated in what you do. You got to take your shots when, 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 when they're to be – when those shots are there to be taken, and you got to make the plays. Defense like that, you only get a few shots at making plays. I remember a few, some years ago, it was maybe three or four years ago, we were playing um, here, Denver, and uh, that's when Denver had that voltage defense. Um, I think it was the year bef- the year they went to the playoffs or the year after. I think it was the, like that. They beat them the year after they won the Super yeah. Bowl. And, you know, everybody was screaming about how good that defense was. And it was. And we barely moved them off. But what we did was we had a few big plays. I remember one uh, one one play, for uh, you know, one play basically like it was yesterday. Um, it was a deep pass um, on third down to um, – I'm forgetting his name – the kid that from Miami – that we got Rashard, uh, Matthews. Rashard Matthews. Yeah, we had a deep pass to Rashard Matthews on the left side, on the visitor side. Um, it was like third and something, but it was a big play in that game that kept the chains moving. And we didn't make many big plays that game, but that was one of them. Teams like that, teams like Buffalo, um, teams like New England, teams like the Titans. When you're playing against their defense, you're only going to get so many big plays. And when they're there to make, you have to make them because it loosens up the defense defense just a little bit. Now you can now they gotta honor you know that play action pass. But if you're not making those plays when they're there to be made, the defense is not gonna honor anything you do, and it makes it it's like a bow constrictor it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter unless you do something to loosen it up. Here's the thing, though. Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, is in concussion protocol. Let's just operate under the assumption for a moment that he doesn't play this week. And you get Matt Barkley as the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. If you're the Tennessee Titans offensively, do you come out trying to get some tempo going early, get a quick lead? And I know it's difficult because Buffalo's defense is very, very good. But it almost feels like in this game, assuming Matt Barkley's the quarterback and some of the weapons the Bills have that I mentioned to Floyd... If you can get a 14 nothing lead, I, I don't believe Matt Barkley can rally you from behind against this Titans defense, which is giving up 15 points a game. Yeah, and you don't want to build your – like, this team is incredibly good at playing with a lead. We saw it yesterday. We saw it against the Falcons. We saw it against the Browns. When they can turn Cam Wake loose and Harold Landry loose and, and go after the quarterback – when they can lean on Derrick Henry and be okay with two and a half, three yards because they know they're going to get the eight and ten yard run in a couple of plays, right? Like every fourth play, you're going to get that eight or ten or twelve yard carry from Derrick Henry. When you know you can play that way very well, you can play with a lead. And and so that we know this team is good for playing with a lead. Now, is that what you is that a way to build your football team to win games over the long haul? I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the way you want to do it. I think you want to 
build a team that can just win games. But they are very good with a lead. So it does feel like if the Titans can just get to, like you said, 14 points, maybe it's 17-7, you do feel comfortable with this defense against that this particular offense, Matt Barkley and, and company. Like th- that, I don't think you can just run Derrick Henry for three yards of carry 25 times in this game and expect to, to win. But defensively, if you just kept Matt Ryan off the scoreboard for all but one, like at one drive, because they scored on their, what, second drive or their first, or second drive, I think they scored the Falcons, mm-hmm. which means they basically held the Falcons in 10 or 12 possessions to three points over the course of the majority of that football game. Mm-hmm. And and so they, we've seen them do it to Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. There's no reason to think they can't do it to Buffalo. Play with a lead, and that's when they can. That's when their players are at their best. Is when they can turn loose the defensive front. Dean Pease can be aggressive, and then they can lean on Derrick Henry. Getting a 14 point lead on, on Buffalo is easier said than done. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the problem. The, again, New England, Tom Brady's numbers, and again, I, you can already hear the the haters on 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 Marcus on Monday morning if he has a bad game. Tom Brady was 18 of 39 against this team last week. That's 21 incompletions. <laughs> 150 yards, no touchdowns. Yeah. Their offense never got in rhythm. It, it is a very good Buffalo defense, and so we'll 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 see what happens. You're going to have to be smart to slow. I think sort of like with Cleveland, you have to be smart with how you slow down the blitz and the pressure. Take your three yards, throw the football away, learn how to le- live to play another down. All the cliches, right? Like that's how they're going to. Ha- I mean, to me, that's how I would intentionally be slowing this game down because I think my defense can win on third down in the second in the second half and in the third and fourth quarter. And on the flip side, let's just assume Josh Allen does play. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about Josh Allen beating me with his arm. I worry about Josh Allen making plays with his legs. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, but he's... Because he's not an overly accurate passer, he, but boy, he can get yeah. off and take off and make some plays. He he extends plays. He really does. Um, he He's a guy that that if you let him... He will do something. He'll make a few plays throwing the football. And, you know, he won't have these gaudy numbers, but then you'll look back and say, man, if we could have just stopped these two or three plays, then we would have been all right. Uh, the Titans are going to have to figure out. Here's the dilemma they're in uh, because they are, they're not the Atlanta Falcons. They operate differently. Uh, but – you haven't shown that you can stop a tight end, and their tight end is damn good. Um, so do you put all of your resources at stopping the tight end? And You mean Dawson Knox? Just, yeah. you're, you're like the Major League Baseball. You're like stealing my stuff over there. <laughs> yeah. Dawson Knox, uh, he is. Had two. Wasn't he a character in Varsity Blues? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> but uh, two, he, two spectacular plays in each of the last two games for Buffalo. He, so he's a really good player. They're going to have to stop him. But then the flip side of that is that if, you're, if you put all that energy towards stopping him, I mean, say what you want about Frank Gore, but the kid, that, that man runs physical. And he he did it to the Titans last year. Yeah. Um, you look at him and you say, well, we could stop him. He ends up the game with like 80 yards well, and, and, they, and his effective run. And they did it on the game-winning drive. Exactly. They ran the football against the Titans on the last drive after Marcus had thrown the ball to Nick Williams, who dropped the game-winning touchdown. They then kicked the field goals, take the lead, and the Bills come down the field and hand the ball off on like a four-minute drive, not like a two-minute offense. They They run the football down the field to win the game. And and that 
Let's say, do we need to add Frank Gore to the list of like if there's a nuclear holocaust? He is and, alive. And what's alive? Cockroaches, Keith and Keith Richards, right? Do we need to add? <laughs> yeah, Frank, Frank Gore, Gore to that too. list. Whatever Frank Gore is doing to stay in the NFL that long at that position. But is there any doubt, position, though, like the he, day he retires, like he's going to just fall apart physically and be in a wheelchair the rest of his life? I don't know. Like that. he's going to be Earl Campbell, right? Uh, you know what? He's, his, he's his different, are, man. Yeah, his yeah. knees are going to be bad, obviously, because he's had two knee surgeries, probably more than that. But whatever he's doing, man, good Lord. Yeah, Frank Gore is on pace to pass Barry Sanders. He's going to pass Barry Sanders. He's got like, what, 250 yards to go yes. or something like that? He could finish it this season. And if he gets another 1,000 yards later on, he can kind of itch in that he, number he, one spot. He could finish it. He could finish. He could pass Barry Sanders this month. Yeah. He got to, what, 15,000 last week? Yeah, he had 106 against the Patriots last and, week. And or this, this week. And this is a guy that. 248 yards. He missed, like. he missed the season, didn't he? Something like that because of a knee injury. Messed up his knee twice. Well, he got hurt in Miami too, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, uh huh. And his, it's just remarkable what he's been able to do. Walt, uh, Walter Payton, 16,700 16, yards, just insane. Mm-hmm. And I, I know Emmett's got more than him, but but that. yeah, uh, but, but the Titans are gonna. Uh, this this will be a battle of you know war of attrition um, for both offenses. Um, I like the Titans' offense better. Um, I don't think I can. I, I'm not going to look at the at the New England game and say, "Well, they shut down Tom, so they're automatically going to shut down the Titans." I don't look at it from that standpoint because there's two different offenses. Uh, I think Titans Titans are bigger um, at the skill position um, than 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 New England, and then New England. The disadvantage for New England is that that's a division game, and division games are always going to be tough. Um, and I think the Titans run more physical than New England. Their whole being is, you know, built on running the football. So I look at, yes, they shut down Tom Brady, but I look at it totally different. Uh, I'm not saying that the Titans are going to rack up 400 yards or anything like that. But just because they shut down Tom, that's not making me say, oh, they're going to shut down the Titans. They, they, no, because they're two different offenses. They're, they're different skilled players. They're built different. Right. And maybe, just maybe, they're built better to play Buffalo than New England is. Okay, coming up next as we kick off hour number two, a lot of people are trying to make the case for six teams in college football for being number one. We will do the same, although there's two of those six that I can't make the case for number one. We're back after this on Morning Drive.